I'm Meg Dahl, your unbreakable host. Welcome to the show. And welcome back to a brand new episode of the Unbreakable You podcast. So before we get into today's episode with Barbara Maddie Meadows, she is a hormone nutritionist and we're talking about how important it is to have regular periods and ovulation and just robust, thriving, balanced hormones for your bone health. Before we get into all of that, there's a lot you and I just need to take a quick minute to chat about. <laughs> so first of all, there I feel like there's just a lot of new things. First of all, we just need to take a moment to chat about Taylor Swift's new album, Midnights. I'm not sure if your whole life is revolving around this album or not right now, but I feel like mine has been. (laughs) There's been kind of like two important Taylor-related dates on my calendar. The first was October 21st when her album was released, and then on October 24th, she was on Jimmy Fallon. And I feel like that is honestly why, the only reason why, I know the exact date it is. Usually if someone asks me what the date of the month is, I have no idea. And I always just like look at my watch because it shows me the date on my watch or if I'm writing the date down for something, I never know what the date is. I just always have to look at my watch or pull up my calendar. But I have been (laughs) so on it these days. I just always know what the date of the month is largely like only due to Taylor Swift's events this month because I know like, oh, it's been five days since she released her album or whatever it is. Anyways, this is so random, but I hope you're enjoying her album. I have Antihero stuck in my head nonstop and that's okay. I'm not complaining. Midnight's is definitely not my favorite album of hers, Folklore and Evermore just cannot be beat. I don't think so, but I have been enjoying Midnight's for sure. Just not my favorite, but it is obviously, I mean, Taylor Swift. I love her. You know that. (laughs) In other news of things that are new, I personally launched something on my end. So it's not just Miss Swift who is up to the new and amazing things. I'm also doing some cool things over here, okay? So this week on Monday, I launched a brand new podcast and I wanted to take some time to talk about that with you this week because 
maybe you're thinking, well, what's happening to this podcast? So yes, I launched a brand new podcast. It's called Friends We Meet Reading. And I highly recommend you go check that out because I'm super proud of it. And it is such a passion project of mine. And I'm just really really excited to have it out into the world. So I've actually been playing with the idea of starting this podcast for almost a year now, I would say. And it's always been something that I've just been pushing off and putting off and telling myself there's other things I could be doing with my time and I don't need to be doing this and I have so much on my plate and I can, you know, there's there's just so many other things I could be doing instead of this thing that is truly just for fun and for pleasure and doesn't really have like this specific outcome it really doesn't have any outcome like I don't have um I have plans for the podcast but there's no huge like reason behind it um I don't plan to really turn it into like a profitable thing or anything like that so anyways I've been noticing all of these parts within me kind of coming into play and telling me I don't need to do something just for pleasure. But that's honestly exactly why (laughs) I have this idea for the podcast in the first place is because I spend many hours of my day on just any single day of the week. I spend many hours of my days reading fiction purely for pleasure. There's no other reason for it other than I love reading fiction and just cozying up to a book. And I know this is something that I actually wasn't able to do before I healed. My relationship with rest, my relationship with my body, and just got to the place I am today where I have my period every month. So when I was going through HA recovery, a huge, huge part of that was actually me just resting and what one of the things that actually helped me rest was reading fiction. So anyways, long story short, since 2018-2019, I really started to get into reading fiction. I mean, I grew up reading fiction, but it wasn't like this constant thing in my life, but now it is. <laughs> I seriously do not go a day without reading fiction. And I have a lot of friends that read fiction along with me. We're often reading the same books. And I thought it would be so much fun to have an excuse to just like hop on a call with my friends and chat about the books that we've just read. So I started this podcast called Friends We Meet Reading, as I said, and it's now available on Spotify and Anchor FM. So you can go listen to it on those two different platforms. By the end of the week, It should be on other platforms such as iTunes or wherever else you listen to your favorite podcast. So it should be in all of the places pretty soon. But I personally just love listening to podcasts on Spotify. 
So you can go check it out there if you would like to. I would be so honored if I had your listening ears come and join me over there to listen to the new podcast. As I said, it's all about fiction books. There will be some memoirs and things in there as well, but for the most part, we are going to be covering fiction. It's a book club podcast, so whenever you see that we're covering a book in one of the episodes. For an example, Book Lovers by Emily Henry is the one that we cover in episode two, which is out and available for you to listen. But we cover Book Lovers in episode two, and you'll definitely want to read the book before listening to the episode because it's a book club podcast, meaning read the book, and then join us and it'll be like you're just sitting down with me and my friends as we chat about the book. So that's the exciting thing happening in my life and I really hope you go check out the episode. I'll link it up in the show notes here for you so it's just an easy click away. Don't forget to follow or subscribe and you can look forward to a brand new episode coming out on Monday. And don't worry, I'm still coming out with new episodes here for you every Wednesday. So nothing is changing here. It's just going to get better in the new year. So you have that to look forward to. But for now, let's hop over to my conversation with Barbara. Hi, Barbara. Welcome to the show. I'm so excited to finally have you on the show with me today. Thank you for having me. I'm really, really excited to chat. Yay. Well, I'm excited too. And I'm really excited for our listeners to get to know you better. I'm excited to get to know you better as well. So I think that might be a fun place for us to start is with your story. But before maybe we go into, you know, everything that you've been through, because I know there's definitely overlap with our stories for sure, you know, in terms of some things that we've struggled with and overcame throughout our lives. Maybe just introduce yourself to everyone so they know who we're chatting with today. Okay. Um, so hi, my name is Barbara Maddie Menos. Um, I'm a fellow Canadian like you. Um, I'm in Montreal, Quebec, And um, I now practice as a functional health coach with a specialty in like women's metabolic disorders and uh, mineral testing. Um, And yeah, and I live with my little black cat. And (laughs) what's your cat's name? Her name is uh, Nikta, which means night in Greek. I love that. All fur babies are welcome on the show. Penny is usually beside me (laughs) sleeping, but she's by the fire today. And with you being in Canada, what's it like in Montreal? Honestly, we're having an amazing autumn. It is 20 degrees today. Girl, I wish. I've heard snowing in other places. We got snow on the weekend, like snow on Sunday, and then it started freezing rain yesterday, and now it's snowing again today. So it's just like, you know, snow on top of ice, which makes things so treacherous here that 
I have not left the house in a couple of days. So, you know, winter's already starting here, which is always so welcome in October. Not, yeah. (laughs) Oh my God. How are you going to do trick-or-treating now? I know. I know. We're not, are you a big like Halloween person? I'm not huge on it, but I do have a friend that does a Halloween party like every year at her place. Um, So, you know, we do that. But growing up, Halloween was not a thing. Like my mother hated Halloween. She was like a typical Greek, you know, like she believed that, you know, Halloween was evil and things like that. Okay. And did you grow up in Montreal too? Yep. Born and raised. Right on. Well, I love having Canadians on the show. Like I love just connecting with fellow Canadians. I feel like, you know, when you're in the Instagram space and have an online business, everyone you meet pretty much is in the States, which is totally fine, but it's always extra special when we connect with fellow Canadians. So you and I will have to meet up in real life someday. (laughs) Yeah, we would definitely have to meet up and, you know, go for a coffee or something. Yes, I would love that so much. So, okay, why don't you share with us, like, how you got into the field you're in today? You mentioned that you you know, you're a health coach practitioner that you specialize in like women's metabolic health and just women's health in general. So I'd like to know more about your backstory because I do, I mean, I follow you on Instagram. Your posts are incredible. If anyone's not following you yet, we have you linked up in the show notes because honestly, every single post of yours is just like, so content packed. I love it. And you and I have some overlap with, you know, eating disorder stuff, hypothalamic amenorrhea, that sort of thing. So I'd really love to hear more about like your backstory. Yeah, sure. Um, it's a long story, but like I'll, we'll compact it. Um, it just, it started with my eating disorder. Um, I was diagnosed at 13 years old and, um, I was, not necessarily followed by a doctor for this. Like, I mean, I was in and out of hospitals all my life, you know, in and out of inpatient and outpatient treatments, like up until the age of like 20 ish. And, um, I lost my period at around 14 and you had it. How long did you have it before you lost it? Uh, three years. So my first period was at 11 and no one really, care to say like, oh, you know, this is really not a good sign that you you don't have your period. I, I did have one doctor who told me like, was like, oh, well, you know, it's just because you're really active that you don't have your period. So don't worry. It's totally normal. So I went with that idea thinking it's normal because I'm just exercising a lot. And, um, I had graduated university. I was, I was a writer. Um, and I went, I, I started dabbling in different types of style of writing. And then I landed on wanting to become more of like an editorialist, like wanting to write about mental health and lifestyle and things like that. And then when I was 25, um, quite literally, it actually, what day are we today? The 25th, literally today, three years, how many years ago? Three years ago, I broke my hip. Oh, wow. On October 25th. On October 25th. Wow. Okay. (laughs) That's so crazy that we're doing a podcast on this. On the Um, anniversary of breaking your hip. Yeah. And I might add 
we actually scheduled the recording for back in September and we rescheduled for today. So it's like yeah. stars aligning. <laughs> exactly. And um, yeah, and I, I ended up breaking my hip, but no one knew. Okay. So I had gone to like five different doctors within a span of like a month. Ever, I, they were they were checking up on me. They were like, we don't know what's wrong with you. It's weird that you're in so much pain that you can't walk, all these things. It, some were even telling me like, walk on the foot. Like it's just a muscle, things like that. And I just got so bad to a point that I was bedridden by the end of November. So this is like a month after the break. And then finally I said, okay, I'm not crazy. You guys are crazy. <laughs> I really need an x-ray. And they're like, okay, fine. You know, they were, they were thinking I was just being pushy. And then I got a call and they're like, oh, hey, you broke your hip in two places. You, you need to be rushed to the hospital. Long I have story so short. many questions. Kate, keep going. <laughs> I have okay. so many questions. Yes. Long story short, went to the hospital, got hip surgery. I'm now, I now have like three pins in my hip. They didn't replace the hip. And that's when I was diagnosed with osteoporosis. And so now I'm like 25 years old. I'm like, oh my God, I have osteoporosis. What's going to happen to me? And I had an endocrinologist come up to me and they're like, the reason that you don't, that you developed osteoporosis, yes, it's probably due to your malnutrition, but the biggest reason that, you know, they thought was because of my lack of, of a period. So my low hormone levels. And their first instinct was birth control or um, hormonal replacement therapy. And before saying yes to these things, I said, let me do my own research. And I did. And there was just there, there, it is saturated. Even if, if you go on PubMed and just start typing it, like it is saturated with the type of side effects that these things have. I do think, I do think HRT is helpful for women in menopause to a certain extent, but like not for someone who's very young and in the situation that I was specifically in. And so I was like, I really need to like change my life. And so I really dedicated myself to recovery after I got out of the hospital and I went on to saying, you know what, like, this is what I want to do with my life. Cause I feel like People are just not listening to the client or the patient. You know, they're 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 just trying to they're trying to follow a protocol in which that the way that they were taught. They're not listening to the actual individual. And so that was the initial reason why I got into it. But as I started going through my own health journey, that's when I discovered the importance of minerals. And that's why I now have more of a specialty in hair testing. But yeah, that's my story in a in a nutshell. <laughs> uh, I I'm a details person. We'll just put okay. it that way. I'm big on the details. First of all, I have never broke my hip before, so I cannot even imagine the amount of pain you were in. I've never broken I, a bone before. Honestly, if you don't, you know how they say like the mind is really powerful. The fact that I was told that it was just a muscle or a nerve, I, the pain was not as bad as it probably was in my head because I was trying to literally walk on a broken hip for a month, like an idiot. I just don't know. I guess my other question is like, okay, you were in so much pain. I don't know how, like, why wasn't an x-ray one of the first things that was done, like you had to 
basically demand an x-ray and they thought you were being pushy. Yeah. So what's funny is that there was an x-ray done the first appointment, but it was not done on the hip. It was done on my back. And the reason for that is because sometimes when you have a broken hip, you don't actually feel it in the hip. You feel it more like around the lower back uh, spine area, depending on where the break is. My break was right around the the head of the um, of the femur. So it was it's like right in between like your, it's like right around your pelvis. Right. So they did it, but they didn't take the right spot. And so after that, it was like, oh, it's sciatica. Oh, it's like a, a nerve, a muscle. And, you know, by the last doctor, I was like, we have to do another x-ray. Like you guys had to have missed something. Wow. So did something like happen, like significant happen for you to break your hip? Or I think this is just something so important for us to talk about because we we do talk a lot about missing periods or hypothalamic amenorrhea on this show. And I think anyone who has done any type of, you know, digging or research or even a simple Google search. <laughs> like you, no, we don't even have to call it research because it doesn't have to be extensive in any way. But if you read any article of like the effects hypothalamic amenorrhea can have on the body, you'll see right away that it can lead to you know, poor bone health and osteoporosis, osteopenia, like all that stuff, right? But I think so many of us have that mindset of, oh, well, that's going to take forever or, well, that's not going to happen to me, right? I know I definitely had that mindset. It's like, oh, no, my bones are fine, right? And I didn't have a period for over a decade. So, Yeah, I I think this is so important to highlight to just let everyone know how real this is and how important bone health actually is and like how important having your period is for bone health. Yeah, no, that's exactly. And, you know, I I was going into that mindset, too. Um, I you know, because I was thinking to myself, well, I exercise and I still eat dairy and I loved dairy. Like I, I love dairy to today, but it's not like I never stopped consuming dairy. In fact, dairy was probably a really big part of my diet, even when I was um, very sick. So it's not so much that there's, it's not always like a lack thereof, like that nutrition. It's really like, is your body absorbing it? And is it using it? And there are other components to bone health as well. Um, so yeah, no, I completely agree with you. It's just, I find that when we're, when many people speak about amenorrhea, they speak about just the lack of period and, you know, yeah, sure. The hair loss and the infertility and the, po- the possibility of infertility and, you know, the libido, things like that. But it's like bone health is, should be right at the forefront. We start losing bone density, like in our twenties, <laughs> this is an issue. Yeah. And I'm sorry, did you say you were 25? When I broke my hip. Yeah. Yeah. 25 when you broke your hip. Yeah. And when I was asking you before, if something, you know, when I think of 
breaking your hip. I mean, I, like I said, I've never broken a bone in my body before. And so when someone tells me that they broke their hip, I'm thinking like, you know, you were out like skiing in the mountains and had this horrific accident happen. So what actually happened if, you know, if you want to share? Honestly, nothing happened. I was at the gym. I was doing a group class, a group fitness class. And um, I, yeah, I, I went to go do a jump and I heard, I guess you could say I heard a crack, but it wasn't it wasn't that bad. It's not like I, it's not like I was in excruciating pain. I was like, okay, well, I really hurt my back or something, you know, something's off. I ended up walking home. I took a couple of Advil and I was like, okay, I'm good. And the pain just kept going and going and it was persisting. And then on October 30th, I remember I was having a really awful day. I didn't feel good about myself. You know, when you start, when you start to get in your head about things. And I said, you know what, I'm going to go to the gym two times today. And so I did the first time I went for, I think it was like a boxing class. So it wasn't, it wasn't like I was jumping or anything, but the second class required jumps. And in that second class, I did a jump. I landed on the floor and I'm like, I can't. I, I can't walk. So I ended up calling my mom and I'm like, Hey ma, like, can you come pick me up from the gym? And okay, I can't walk. I can't get home. She's like, yeah. Okay. And I couldn't even get in the car. It was just as simple as a jump. It's not like I was, it's not like anything collided. You know, I collided with anything. It's not like I was hit. You know, people think that with a breaking a bone, it has to be something so harsh and violent. Honestly, it was a simple jump that, that really did it. Oh my gosh. Okay. So I am very happy we're talking about this. And I think now, you know, this is really putting it into perspective for people how, you know, yeah, like something very um, significant, like a, like I was describing before, like this skiing accident or, you know, some type of accident like that, where you could see that, oh, wow. Yeah. That would make sense for a bone to break. But how many people listening to this episode were probably at the gym today and maybe doing their own workout or taking a class and that there's potential to have your bones like at a state where, doing like a gym class could actually lead to a broken bone. So since this is something that you have personal experience with, would you like to talk a little bit about why having, you know, your period and why hormones are so important for bone health? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So the thing with hormones is that particularly our estrogen and testosterone um, hormones, what they do essentially is that they increase the levels of what we would call something called an osteoblast. So an osteoblast is there, sorry, is it an osteoblast or an osteoclast? I'm sorry, if, you guys could Google this, but it's either an osteoblast or an osteoclast. They're two essential, they're, they're two essentially like um, actions that happen within the bone. One breaks down bone and one repairs bone. 
okay? Both estrogen, testosterone primarily. Yeah, progesterone does play a role, but we're going to speak of just estrogen and testosterone because they are the main focus. They help um, increase the repairment um, of the bone. We're constantly breaking breaking up and rebuilding ourselves from the time we wake up to the time we go to bed. But once we hit, I believe for women, it's like our late 20s, early 30s, that function of repairing bones starts slowing down. And that's why we say in our early, our foundational years from the time we get our period to the time of like our late 20s, early 30s, this is when you should be building peak bone density. This is why strength training is so important. This is why it's so important to maintain ovulation every month, why you should be making sure you're eating well, all these things. Right. Like, and and just as you were saying, right, when you lost your period as a teen, you had no worries about your bone health because you're like, I'm working out, I'm strength training, right? And I think I, I remember myself having those exact same thoughts because that's kind of what we're told. We're told that in order to have strong, healthy bones, we got to do two things strength train or just you know be active and drink milk or eat a lot of dairy right but that whole hormone piece and having our period and ovulating every month like we cannot just breeze over that and pretend that doesn't exist and that that isn't a key player in bone health so okay speeding forward or just kind of going back to October 25th, three years ago. And around that time, like you said, you, you knew that you had to make a change, right? And so you've had quite the incredible past three years. And I'm so curious what that actually looked like for you. I mean, Clearly, you got your period back, and now you're helping women in the health space like become their healthiest selves. So, can you kind of walk us through that journey? I'm very into your story. Yeah, sure. So, sorry, I I did the date wrong in my head. It wasn't 2019; it was 2018. So this was like four years ago. Four but years whatever. ago to yeah. the day, though. But yeah, yeah okay, exactly. four years, not three years, but. I just have to say, side note, like with COVID and everything, I also like if something was from 2019, 2020, 2021, even 2022, I'm like, when did this happen? You know, you just, it's kind of all just a mishmash, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I got out of the hospital in yeah, December of 2018. So entering 2019, it took me a really long time. It actually, no, I wouldn't say it took me a long time to gain my weight, but because I was severely underweight. Um, but I had, let's just say I had a ton of weight to gain. Um, and by the time I was weight restored, I would say, it took me about two years to get fully weight restored. Um, Can I pause you there? So you were in the hospital post like hip surgery, right? Is that what you're referring to? No, they, I went into the hospital for hip surgery. Yes. Yes. So post hip surgery, that's when you were underweight. 
Is yes. that what you're saying? Okay. Okay. And when you were underweight, did you know that you had to gain the weight? Like, was that something you knew had to happen? Was that something you were okay with doing? I, I had always known I had to gain the weight. Um, I think I reached my breaking point in 2017, which was a year before that, because I started experiencing these these craziest, the craziest nosebleeds. Um, I was at work. I was working at the Bay. If you're Canadian, you know what the Bay is. I was working in the men's dress shirt department in suits. So very expensive attire. And I was putting in a suit jacket. I was putting a suit jacket into a bag. And all of a sudden I felt this wet stuff on my face. And I just started gushing blood out of my nose. And it was just the strangest thing. I never get nosebleeds ever in my life. It's weirdest thing. I ended up in like in, in the break room, security room, whatever, with my security guard. And I was holding a Kleenex up against my nose and the blood would not stop. I kid you not, it would not stop. From that time of that first nosebleed, I was getting recurring nosebleeds maybe once a week, every second week, nonstop for during that winter until I finally landed in the hospital. And they, they checked my, my vitals, all that. And they were like, we don't know why you keep getting nosebleeds, but you are severely dehydrated. Um, so they had to put me on an IV and all that. And then I, they sent me home. I did not like the fact that no one was telling me what was wrong with me until I ended up finding some type of like a Reddit, um, what are they called, forum. And there are these people who were talking, partic particularly it was mostly women, who were talking about how they, they, um, their doctors were linking their nosebleeds to potential, um, uh, oh my God, now I'm thinking, I'm forgetting of the word right now. Um, you know, it's like, it's like an, it's like a neurological issue. Um, you know, when you're a seizure, there you go. So they were linking nosebleeds to seizures. And I'm thinking, am I having many seizures and not realizing? And then of course, if you have electrolyte imbalances could potentially link to seizures. So that was like a big wake up call for me. So all this to say, yes, I realized I had to gain weight, but when you're in a mindset where you're really resistant to it. And you've been living with this disorder for like how many years, more than half your life. It's, it's like, you're not in a rush, you know, it's like, yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it when I want to. And I'll do it when I feel like it, but I, I'm not in a rush to do it, but breaking my hip was like, okay, <laughs> you have to be in a rush right now. Yeah. That was literally like life just coming in and being like, Hey, you're not doing this on your time, <laughs> you know? We've given you enough time to figure this out. Now right. it's like, this is what you're prioritizing right now. So, okay, then you come out of the hospital and yeah, what does life look like after that? So you've had the hip surgery, you know at this point, okay, I have to gain the weight right? And what was that journey like for you? Because I mean, I've been on that journey myself, and I've approached it many different ways over the years. And I found one way that actually 
stuck and um, brought me to where I am today. But, you know, I'm curious what that journey looked like for you, because I know a lot of our listeners are in that place where, you know, they know that they're not really sitting at the healthiest place for themselves, but it's really difficult for them to make the necessary changes to actually get to that healthy place for themselves. Yeah. So, um, you know, in a way it was sort of a blessing in disguise because it forced me to gain the weight in a way that I knew I wouldn't have been able to go around or abuse. Um, because after hip surgery, you can't walk, you know, you're, 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 you're housebound. You know, I wasn't able to go on. I had crutches. Sure. But it was the middle of winter. Um, and I just, let's just add. <laughs> yeah, let's just add minus 40 weather, ice everywhere. Um, so it, yeah, I was housebound. So it was, it was, it kind of forced me to just sit with myself and just swallow the hard pill and be like, you know what, you just gotta, you're going to have to eat and sit on your butt and just let the weight come on. Um, and then once I was able to start moving again and stuff. It was very slowly. And I gained most of my weight in 2019. And I'm, I'm very, I'm thankful for the fact that it was in 2019, because knowing myself, I'm a very, I'm not a nervous person, but I like to stay busy. I, I would not have gained most of my weight in 2019, if I was capable of walking. Mm, I see what you're saying. So the hip surgery really helped you be like yeah. okay like you knew that for your health you had to gain the weight but like the whole hip incident and recovery was really that blessing that was like okay you can't even you know sneakily go to the gym or do all of these yeah. walks that sort of thing it was like an opportunity for you to just really not be your active, super active self as exactly you for so many years. So yeah. how like mentally and emotionally, what was that like for you? It was really hard. And I'm sure you can, you can totally empathize with this. I mean, it's hard to sit with yourself and not be able to cope in the ways that you're used to coping. Um, I it's, it's funny. I, I don't like to feel my own emotions. I'm, I'm very sympathetic and emotional with other people. And I like to hold space for others, but that's because I'm a fixer. I'm a problem solver. And when it comes to my own problems, I just, you know, I, I, I'm just someone who's just like, you know what, we could deal with this later. I'll put it up in a box and I'll say, you know what, this is not important right now, but yeah, that was, it was very difficult for me um, to just let myself go through things and let myself gain the weight and not criticize myself and not uh, be concerned on whether on how my body would look or what people would think of me at this point it was like you either do this or you die you know it's like one or the other pick and choose and yeah it was you just go into like a fight mode you go into like this different headspace where it's like it doesn't matter anymore you have to pick yourself you can't pick the disorder anymore 
Yeah, no, I totally get that. Like I said in one of my a recent um, podcast episode where I did a whole episode about body image just a few weeks ago. And I just kind of got to this point where I was like, I'm sick of this and I'm just not going to deal with this anymore, you know, and I made a change. So I totally get what you're saying. So we have talked about, you know, this thing that you knew you had to gain weight, but the weight gain didn't just happen because you weren't going to the gym and you were recovering from hip surgery, right? Like I'm assuming that you took a good hard look at how you were nourishing yourself and that changed significantly. Yeah. So you know, what's interesting, I, you know, you're not the first person to ask me this. Um, I, I was always eating a substantial amount of calories, believe it or not. Um, I, uh, yeah, I was always eating a substantial amount of calories. It was truly the amount of movement. You can only imagine how much movement I was doing to burn through like a pretty decent amount of calories. That being said, I did look at my diet because I was like, I can't live in such a way that I am so afraid to be eating X, Y, and Z. It's not normal. And why should I be afraid of certain foods that could very well benefit me, such as um, olives, you know, which have, a, which are a great source of vitamin E and fats, or, you know, even dairy. I loved dairy growing up, but when I had broken my hip, I was like going on two years. No, I think it was like my first year being vegan. Mm not a smart idea my friends so um I was like you know what maybe I should maybe I should incorporate animal products back into my diet you know like eggs and chicken and fish and all these things and um yeah I just I had to really take a good look at my diet and be like what can support me and you know I did a post on this a few years back on how I did not look at weight gain as trying to increase my calories or trying to face fear foods or anything like that. I was in a state of being so hyper-focused on my bones. I was like, if you're currently struggling with an eating disorder and yeah, you don't want to gain weight. I totally understand that. Why don't you put your focus on something that you actually want to fix? Like maybe your hair loss, your acne, or maybe you do have osteoporosis or maybe your lack of energy go look at foods that you feel that have been shown to actually help with that. And that just makes food less scary. It looks like food is more of an ally to help you. And that's what I did. And it just kind of helped break down those walls of whether food is scary or not. Oh, I so agree with that. And honestly, it sounds very similar, if not like exactly what I did too. So just like you said, like pick something to focus on that really does matter for you, right? So we tend to get so focused on what our bodies are doing, right? But you said your main focus and the thing that you were most concerned about was your bone health, rightfully so, right? Like after breaking a hip in a gym class, like you never want that to happen again. So you're going to start nourishing your body and taking care of your body in a way that is going to support bone health. For me, when I was going through 
um, recovery, not specifically like eating disorder recovery, but when, when I reached that point in my life where I was so done with not having a period anymore, like it was like blinders were on and the only thing I was focusing on was nourishing my body to have a period. And yeah, my body changed during that process, but you know, it was, it was such a small, insignificant thing to me. You know, did I have days where all I wore was like baggy clothes that Scott had? Yeah. You know, there was definitely days where I was just like, I can't even put my clothes on. I just don't want to, you know? And so, yeah, that would, that definitely happened, but there's something to be said about, you know, when you just focus on the thing that actually matters, whether that's your bone health, like you did, or focused on just nourishing your body and moving your body in a way that is going to get your period back. And if that's all we're focused on, whatever is happening with the body, you know, in terms of weight gain or what it's looking like, whatever, you know, that that doesn't matter. Yeah. No, it's that's exactly it because at the end of your your priorities are going to shift. You know, you're going to be like finally like my hair is growing back or finally my skin is clearing or wow, I actually have enough energy to get up for work and not fall asleep at the wheel. Like these are significant changes where it's like, you know what? The weight really isn't that important if I could actually start living the life that I have always been attempting to actually build yeah right and then also you know while we're focusing on what's more important than what our bodies are doing it is an opportunity to go deeper and ask ourselves and like uncover why that actually is so important in the first place like why does this even matter in the first place you know so yeah uh wow (laughs) okay so when did your period end up coming back it ended up coming back in january of 2021 okay so it did take a while and i think that's another thing to talk about right i work on a weekly basis with clients who are working towards getting their period back. And I feel like, you know, when we increase the food and maybe dial back the exercise a little bit, even after a few months, they're like, okay, there must be something else wrong with me because my period should be back. But here are, here you are sharing with us that you couldn't even like go for a walk around your neighborhood and you're eating really well and it took what is that like two years for yeah so yeah so two years after surgery but I mean keep in mind you're not I'm not weight restored that whole time right yes of course you know so I would say I mean it it takes it takes a while even once you reach weight restoration right I mean weight is just one component of, you know, gaining your period back. So, but no, yeah, it took, (laughs) it was a journey. Yeah. It took a while for sure. And so, okay, maybe that can kind of, because that was almost a year ago. You said, um, was that January of 2021? Did you say? Yeah. So that's like a little over a year. We're coming up on two years now. Yeah. 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 Okay. And so 
where are we now? Like you said at the beginning of this show, you actually help women now in your business to, you know, support themselves with nutrition. And you also do hair tissue mineral analysis testing, like that sort of thing. So where did that come into your life? And like, why is that something that you really like to focus on? Yeah. So when I got my period back in January, 2021, I kid you not, I think it was the most beautiful period you could have. It was painless. It was four days. It was the perfect color. It was amazing. And I had it just like that, like clockwork for about five, six months. And then all of a sudden something happened. No one knows what. Truly no one knows what. I had. I went you. to the doctor. Not even me. I wasn't under any stress. I wasn't over exercising, wasn't under eating, nothing, nothing out of the ordinary, except for the fact that I had gone to the doctor and we ran some blood work and my thyroid was a tad high. Now I had a history already of like hypothyroidism, but I have, I have been able to like regulate it and myself. So it was a bit strange, but you know, we kind of brushed it off because then I got my period the month after and I'm like, okay, maybe it was just a fluke. Right. Like it was just like a one month thing. Yeah. August, 2021. I I started feeling, I don't know if you've ever been through a burnout, but it was like this, this heaviness of the body. I, it's like, I couldn't get out of bed. I was sleeping like 10 hours a day. No, not even 12. And no one understood why. And it's, and I, so my period started going missing, like every two months, every three months, like it was really strange. So that's when I started looking into my minerals because like my blood work was coming back fine. Um, You know, I was eating fine. I had reduced my exercise even more. I had even gained more weight, you know? So it was just strange. And that's when I ran a hair test on myself and I was just extremely stressed. Um, the, my, my body was just like crying out for help. It was like saying, we can't do this anymore. Um, like my nervous system was just crying out for help. Um, and yeah, so I, the minerals just opened up a completely different door for me on looking into my nervous system and how my adrenals work, how my thyroid works, my blood sugar, all these different systems in the body. And I took the end of 2021, beginning of 2022 to really focus in on actually getting myself to feeling more supported. And since really doing that, I've been applying the same methods to my clients. And I've seen just a significant turnaround and difference on how people feel working with me and also how I feel. So that's when I decided to really focus in on a lot more on minerals. That's incredible. Okay, so we've never really talked about hair tissue mineral analysis on the show. So like, give us the rundown just so everyone knows. I'm familiar with it, but I'd like everyone to learn from you about like, what's that process like? What's the information we can get? Like you said, you did your test and you were like, wow, my body, my nervous system is so stressed out right now. So how do we even get that information, right? Like, what does that look like? Yeah. So you essentially take a piece of your hair about an inch thick. 
um, as close to the nape of the neck as possible. And then we send it into a lab. And they, what they do is that they burn the hair down and they're able to extract and measure just how much, like where your minerals levels are at and also heavy metal status. So we could also check to see like for potential toxicities. Each mineral has its own function in the body, just like a vitamin, you know, like vitamin C is really good for the immune system or vitamin D is good for like so many things, but our minerals also play a role. What's really interesting about minerals though, is that they're very hard to detect on blood work because most of them are not in the blood, just, you know, floating around. They're actually inside the cell. So this is what we would call an intracellular nutrient. And that's why it's so hard to detect it in the blood because the blood really, it's just a highway for things. So with minerals, depending on which mineral you're looking at, and also if you were to compare it to another mineral, so when we're looking at ratios, we could also look at different systems in the body. So for instance, if you were to look at your calcium to magnesium ratio on a hair test, that's indicative of your blood sugar. If you're looking to your calcium or potassium, that's a representation of your thyroid and so forth. So there's, yeah, I just found it like super interesting. And there's never like a one method or one way to look at a hair test. It's very bio-individual. You have to, you have to understand someone's health history and also their personality and what they're currently living and what they're currently taking. There's like over four, five, maybe even 600 ways to interpret a, an HTMA. So it's, it takes, it's, it's, it's kind of like putting a puzzle together, which is fun. Um, it's like a piece of art. That's so yeah. awesome. Yeah. I love like that's one thing about, you know, being a nutritionist or like a holistic practitioner of any type where you can look at uh like testing, right? Like some labs and you're just putting this whole puzzle piece or just like this picture together. I love that so much. So you were talking about you being like so fatigued and then you ran your HTMA and I'm curious like what would you want to share with us like maybe what like what imbalance that could have been for you like what kind of things did you have to correct for yourself personally that made a really big difference so I saw that um, there's there was one ratio in particular that I felt like was really causing a lot of my my fatigue was my sodium and potassium levels. So both sodium and potassium work off of the adrenals. They help stimulate the adrenals. They keep hydration in your cells. Um, they also help produce your stress hormones and stress hormones are not bad. I know they get a bad rap, but I mean, it's only if they're too high or too low, but you do need a certain amount to we produce energy. Today. Yeah, we need them. They're like our friends. They're just not our best friends. <laughs> and, um, my sodium level was ridiculously low, like really low. And it's not like I, I was withholding salt. It's just, I had a very low status within the cell and my potassium was through the roof. And so what was so interesting about this was that when you look to a hair test, when you have a low sodium to potassium ratio, it could mean many things. But one of the things that I felt was 
the reason I was feeling so awful was that it's also um, a representation of unresolved trauma. And I know a lot of people don't like to really get into their feelings sometimes. Hey, but that's what totally. we do here on the podcast. Yeah. So we're all here for it. <laughs> yeah, it's, that's exactly it. Like, I feel like people think like, if I eat a certain, if I eat the right foods and I exercise properly and I sleep well, all my problems will be okay. But if you, but you really do have to also focus on like what's going on in your head. And I just, I don't know why I didn't think it wasn't that important, but I clearly was not handling what I was going through very well or what I had gone through. And it was just eating away at me. And I really think that's what really pushed me over the edge and what caused me to enter this, I guess you could say like this adrenal fatigue, like this burnout sensation. It was, I don't know how else to explain it, but I I felt horrible. I could not get out of bed. Yeah, I believe you. So when you're working with your clients, do a lot of women who start working with you, do they have similar backgrounds to you, like missing periods, history of eating disorders, that sort of thing? Um, You know, I tend to attract a lot of clients with more like period or hormonal issues like PCOS or um, even like menopause or um, anything really thyroid issues. Um, I, I, I kind of help anyone, but at the beginning of it, yes, I was, um, I, I had a, a quite like a handful of clients with missing periods. Okay. So for you, mostly people working with you or who you tend to draw in are those with like hormone imbalances and stuff. So I'm curious, what are some of like the most common, I know for you, when you were doing your testing, it was the sodium potassium ratio. I'm curious, what are maybe, what is like one of the most common imbalances that you see with minerals? I always see a high, not, I'm not going to say always, but very commonly, I see a high calcium level on a hair test. Um, usually, we also see a high calcium to phosphorus ratio, which is uh, a mirror off of like our metabolism. Not to say that a slow or fast metabolism, according to a hair test, is good or bad. It's just the way that it's it's just the state in which we're oxidizing nutrients. Most people are slow oxidizer. It's about 80% of the population. Um, I also tend to see a lot of high magnesiums. A lot of, I think most people know that they should be taking magnesium, but the problem is that a lot of us are not retaining it. So we usually see high levels of magnesium and that doesn't mean that you have an excess. It just means you're not retaining it. So you're losing it out of your tissues. Um, And I also see a lot of high sodium, which is usually a sign of inflammation, infection, or stress. So those would be the three main ones that I would see on hair testing. Very, very interesting. So with you being in Canada, I know your practice, like it is online, right? Like, do you work with anyone and everyone all over the world? How does it work to run a test through you? Yeah, I work with anyone and everyone. Um, The only problem is that there's some state, I think New York is a bit difficult to send a hair test. Yeah, there's some like states. I remember when I would do a lot of like GI maps and stuff with my clients, it was like there was like sticky states, right? Where it was really hard to like send testing and stuff. Yeah. 
exactly. But I mean, other than that, I mean, I could work with people like in the UK or, you know, Europe, majority US, Canada, whatever, every, everything is good. Um, and everything is online. What To order a hair test, essentially, I mean, you sign up with me and stuff and I will be the one to send you the actual hair testing kit. The lab is not going to send it to you. I will be sending it to you by snail mail. And um, you just do the test at home. You send it back to the lab and then I get the results and we move forward from there. And then you help your clients. Like obviously you interpret everything for them and then you're making the recommendations that are necessary based off of their testing. Correct. Yeah with everything of course okay well we will have everything linked up in the show notes for everyone I wish I could just keep chatting with you Barbara I feel like you and I are just gonna have to you know become besties and just have regular (laughs) chats I would love that so much but okay one last question for you I always ask my guests what it means to you to be unbreakable Oh my God, that's so tough. <laughs> I caught you off guard. <laughs> yeah, you caught me off guard. What it means to be unbreakable. Um, I think to me, what it means to be unbreakable is to be very solid and confident in yourself. Because if you don't have yourself, if you don't have your foundation, if you don't have your roots and you don't believe in yourself, then you're just like a, a little leaf in the wind, you know, people can take advantage of you or life in itself could bring you down, but you have to know that you have a lot of worth and you have a lot of potential. And if you believe in that and you work on that, then nothing is going to shake you. So. Beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. And thank you so much for being so open and sharing your story with us. And if anyone is interested in HTMA testing and support with you, like with their minerals and hormones and all the things, we'll have your links in the show notes. Okay, perfect. Thank you so much for having me. It was really nice.